Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, the Golden State, living here in beautiful Beijing, city of museums. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shu. I am from the northeast part of China. I'm trying really hard to stay strong in this cold weather in Beijing at the moment of our recording. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today we have a special guest, King Kwesi, who is an international traveler from Ghana, living in China's Shandong province. He does personal vlogs about his life in China, family, and fitness. He also frequently interviews both Chinese folks and foreigners living in China about their lives here in the Middle Kingdom. He is passionate about family, fitness, and fashion. Welcome to the show, King Kwesi. Welcome. Thanks, 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 guys, for having me. It's a pleasure being on your show. Could you tell us a little bit about where you're from in Ghana? Hmm, where I'm from in Ghana. I'm from the Eastern region, you know, Ghana is divided into regions, right? Not like provinces, we have regions in Ghana. Mm. Before I left Ghana, we had 10 regions, but I left now, we have 16 regions. I don't know. So I don't know where I fit in now. <laughs> <laughs> but when I left Ghana, I was from the eastern part of Ghana, and I'm from a little town called Esio. Mm. Yeah, and um, we speak the the Akan language, which is called a tree language. Wow. Obviously, you guys speak English there, too. Yeah, English is our <laughs> official language. But in Ghana, depending on where you come from, we give you a local, give you a local dialect. Oh, okay. So my dialect, my local dialect is the, the Akan language. That's what we speak. That's awesome. Could you tell us a little bit about what led up to your decision to move to China? Okay, my decision to move to China was right after college. I had a friend who would moved here to work in China for two years. Mm. And he was like, you guys should come to China. China is different. <laughs> you know, the culture, the experience. So you guys should move to China. Mm to work here. And I'm like, no, China. Because back home, you know, the perception out there about China wasn't so great, right? Yeah. So I was like, no, I want to go to the UK. But he convinced me because he sent videos of himself going out, meeting a lot of people, making video vlogs. Mm. And I, I saw it work. Okay, I want to give it a try. But that time, it was quite difficult to get a work visa to come to China from Ghana. Mm. So I used a school. I applied for a language school to study in Guilin, in Godashi. Mm. And yeah, I got admission to the school and I got a visa. You studied Mandarin Chinese formally at a, at a university for through a program. I, I did for a short time because that was the easiest way to get into China at that time. Mm. Wow. So so your Chinese is pro, is better than mine, maybe? <laughs> no, because because the decision to move here it was not basically to study, mm. it was to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. You understand? <laughs> But so when I got a visa to be, to be in China, oh, nice, I actually stayed nice. in the school for just a short while and I got a work visa. Switch over. Right. So that's how I moved here. So basically it was to have a better life and connect with people from different backgrounds. That was the reason why I moved to China. And did you did you think your friend was completely right when he tried to convince you to come to China? Did he correct all of the perceptions you had about China before you moved here? I think I think when I moved here, the things that I saw from his videos was right. Because, you know, you go out and you meet people and they offer you food. They offer you beer, pidgeo. Gambe, let's drink. You, know? <laughs> you understand? Like, yeah. the people are so friendly. They welcome you because you're different, right? They are ready to welcome you to their homes just to sit down and eat and talk, you know? Mm. So I found out to be very exciting. And it was in Guilin, you know? Oh, Guilin I love was, that city. Guilin was one of the beautiful places I've seen in China. Yeah. You know? Jason, have you been to Guilin? No, I haven't been to Guilin. Actually, my wife wants to buy a house in Dali, so... Smart idea. She's, she's always <laughs> talking about Yunnan. Oh, it's in Guanxi. <laughs> oh, I, I knew that. I was testing you. You passed my test. Yeah, I passed the Chinese <laughs> tests. I'm just going to ask a couple more questions because I've been 
into Guilin myself, and I really love the fact that the little hills, the little mountains are in the middle of the city. But you know me, Jason, and, and King Kwesi, you don't know this about me and Jason yet, but we'll always be able to bring anything, any topic back to food. So what's your favorite local cuisine when you're studying Guilin? Because they have so many yeah. varieties. Okay. At that point, I think I had no, I had no so much option because, you know, I was, I was a student. And also on little farms at that time. Mm. So we go to restaurant whereby you pay maybe like 15 quid, 20 quid, mm. and you have the, the opportunity to select different kinds of meal. I don't know how they call that in Chinese. You know, like you pick a bit of this, you pick a bit of this, and you pay like 15 quid. I was having that every <laughs> single day. But good enough for you to keep going back to the place. <laughs> well, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, your first few weeks in China? How was that different from what you thought about China before you came? And what kind of things surprised you? I think three things truly, you know, surprised me. One, the language, because coming from Ghana, we speak the Akan language and English, right? Yeah. So when I moved to China, I told like, at least when I meet people on the street, they'll be able to, mm. I mean, just make a little conversation in English. Mm. Because, mm. you know, I thought that English was everywhere. Mm. Then you go on the streets and you try to talk to people and they'll go like, Timbodong, Timbodong. I'm like, what is Timbodong? <laughs> what is Timbodong? So the language really, I mean, surprised me because it was very difficult to communicate because my Chinese then was also very poor, mm. right? Because I was just learning this Chinese and I couldn't communicate with people. At the point, I was even using sign language. <laughs> so the language and to um, the weather, you know, Ghana is a tropical region. Mm. I mean, it's sunny all day, it's sunny all year, it's summer all the time in Ghana, you know? Mm. And moving to China and from Guilin to Yantai, and it was cold. And that was my first experience, in, you know, my first time experiencing cold, wow. cold weather. At the point, I couldn't even go out because I was even scared to step out. It was freaking cold for me. <laughs> so the weather. And and the next one was the food. You know, back home, we eat a lot of fufu. You know, fufu mm. is our local food, fufu jollof. Mm. And then uh, you move to China. Mm. Now I have to eat dumplings. I have to eat bowser. <laughs> yeah, the food, the language, and the, the weather really, really shocked me. Wow. So living here for <laughs> nine years, I still struggle with the weather here. Like right now, it's snowing all over way high um, and i've not about yeah since yesterday is it oh wow it hasn't snowed in beijing yet yeah i i was even going to yentai for an interview but i had it canceled because of the snow oh man i'm hoping it does snow you but i feel the same way as you even though i've lived here 10 years <laughs> i i still right now in beijing i'm scared to go outside it's so <laughs> cold <laughs> don't feel too bad i am i am scared as well i am like trying you're from dongbei this is warm weather for this you <laughs> is diff it's different when in when we're in dongbei we don't have to go too far or, or travel you know this is like okay i have to go to i have to walk like five minutes it's such a short distance but it's five minutes outside in this cold weather and i think i've become very i've become soft against uh, the cold weather ever since i moved to beijing with my family <laughs> i've become a little bit more scared of how cold it is outside so i have been i've been trying to stay inside as much as i can yeah i'm not a friend of cold weather don't feel too bad about it <laughs> so you lived in uh, weihai yantai and guilin yeah my first city was guilin mm. i lived in guilin less than two months then i moved to yantai mm. because of work and i got a work visa in yantai so i stayed in yantai to work for over the years, and now I live in Weihai. Before the show, you mentioned Guangzhou a little bit. So, where else have you like visited or traveled, lived, experienced in China? I think I've been to a lot of places in China. Like Guangzhou was my first city because from Ghana I flew to Egypt and Egypt to Guangzhou. So Guangzhou was my first city. Then I wow. moved to Guilin. I've been to Hangzhou several times. I've been to Shanghai, my favorite city in China. Wow. I've been to uh, Suzhou. I've been to Jinan, Qingdao, wow. Xinjiang, a lot of places. 
a lot of places. I've lost count of where I've been in China. I got a question because you're in Shandong. Uh, have you ever been to a very small city called Chufu? Chufu? No. You should check that out. It's not too far from you. It's it's on the other side of Shandong, but it is uh, where Confucius is. It's where he's very famous for having a temple there. I think I have, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It's home to the wisdom. It's home to the wisdom of China. I got a picture of Lao Tzu on my wall now next to Socrates. I've chosen my ancient Chinese character. Person. <laughs> Confucius is great and all, but you got it. When you're reading Lao Tzu, you feel like you're reading something from another universe. Oh, wow. <laughs> good, uh, good challenge to put out there to our listeners. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. So where have you not been, King Questy, that you would like to visit? There are three places that I really, really want to see before I leave China. Because I feel like one is the Great Wall. I've been to Beijing several times. If I ever leave China to my home country and not be to the Great Wall, I've missed the point being in China. Because the Great Wall is the landmark of China, right? Mm. So that is a place mm. that I'm still looking out to. Just go see the place, take pictures, create memories, yeah. Yeah. create a vlog about it. And yeah. And also, I want to go to the Avatar Mountain. I don't know how to call it. It's, yeah. it's a place I want to go because I saw the movie and it looks amazing. I want to go experience that. <laughs> and also, um, Sanya. Is it Sanya? S-A-N-Y-A. Sanya. Because yeah. I've seen a lot of videos about it and it looks so amazing. Like a paradise. I want to go experience it. I want to go there see myself. <laughs> In the ocean, yeah, and just some coconut, you know, just how it feels. Because I've been, I've lived in Yenta, I live in Weihai, the all coastal cities, right? Yeah. yeah. And when I see the videos from Sanya, and I compare it to the beaches in Weihai and Yenta, I feel like no, I need to go to Sanya because I've been to Thailand, mm. I've been to the Philippines, and the beach, the ocean, there gives me the idea of what to expect when I go to places like Sanya. So Sanya is also a place I want to go, and. In Mongolia, it's also mm. a place I want to visit before I leave China. Well, I have a bit of a yeah. question about, so at Ghana, you know, a coastal country, right? Do you have beaches there? Yeah, Do you have yeah. beaches there that are like lovely? We have the Gulf of Guinea along the coastal in Ghana. So yeah, we have beaches in Ghana. So far, are the beaches in China or the beaches in Ghana, which ones are better? Hard question, Jason. <laughs> I feel like the ones in Ghana, I don't know, for some reason, I would say the ocean is always angry because the waves are stronger, <laughs> right? If I compare the, the waves in Ghana mm. to the one in Weihai, is the ocean in Ghana angry? Because it's very the waves are very strong, right? <laughs> but I feel like some wow. places are not clean. Some of the beaches in Ghana are not clean, not super, super clean, mm. yeah, because of some of the activities that goes around the beaches. But we have amazing beaches also in Ghana. So um, my wife is actually from Yantai. I've been to Yantai, I don't know, 10 times. Could you tell us a little bit about the time that you spent there? What is Yantai as a city in China like? Hmm. Uh, Yantai is, is my home, you know? Like, I jokingly tell people when they ask me where you from, I say I'm from Yantai. Because <laughs> Yantai actually gave me the exposure that I have now. Yantai gave me the home, a place called home. Yeah. Um, Yantai is a place I started my family. My daughter was born there. Mm. Yeah, I, we all know Yantai is a coastal city in the central province of China. A lot of seafood. Fr- some of the most friendly people I've met in China. You know, my life really picked off in that city. Mm. When people ask me about my life in China, there's no way I can talk without saying Yantai. It's everything to me. Mm. I literally go there. I still communicate with people back in Yantai. When my daughter was born, my family was not here in China. It was Chinese people, our neighbors, that took care of my daughter, you know? Mm. So Yantai is a place that I feel like if you want to experience life also in China, mm. you should visit. Just go there, mm. enjoy the local people, eat some local Chinese food, yeah. look at Airbnb, enjoy the coastal line, you know, a lot of seafood for you to enjoy. And yeah, you love it. 
but it's it's pretty cold in winter. So yeah, prepare when you want to go there. So Weihai <laughs> is very close to Yantai. What I've heard, I've not actually been to Weihai. I've heard it's one of the cleanest cities, like in terms of the environment in all of China. Could you tell us why you moved from Yantai to Weihai? Yeah, Yantai, like you already said, Yantai is very close. Or Weihai is very close to Yantai. It's actually just about 18 minutes by train wow. and 45 minutes by car. So the reason why it's very close, I think, I mean, I was told that Weha was part of Yenta. That's really close. years ago. Mm. The reason why I mm. moved to mm. Weha was because I was depressed. I was depressed. I did a business, you know, mm. around two years ago and it went bad. So I lost mm. all my savings. I lost oh. all my savings and mm. waking up every day, living in the same city, living in the same room, seeing where I was sitting, doing all those accounting, looking at the, the, the inventory, my books, my records, and sitting in the same room all the time. Mm. It was very bad for me. I was in a mm. bad state and I was having these suicidal thoughts. So I woke up one day and I'm like, okay, anytime like I walk into the room mm. and I still have regrets of myself doing that kind of business, I'm like, okay, what can I do to just save my life? And I'm like, okay, mm. let me just leave everything that I have here because I had a good job in Yenta. I had a good relationship with my former boss and everything. Mm. I was even driving in Yenta. I had a car and my life was good. Mm. My life was good in Yenta. I'm like, if I still live here, it means I'm living in the, in the shadows of my past, which is hunting me, which is hurting me. Mm. So let me move out to a new place and start all over. Mm. So I started talking to a couple of people and I had an offer from Weihai. I'm like, okay, Weihai is also pretty close to Yenta. Mm. So if I still have business or things that I want to do, I can still go back anytime, any day and just do it. So literally I moved to Weihai because I was depressed and I didn't want to live in that, mm. that moment anymore. It was wow. killing me slowly. Yeah, that's the reason why I left. Yeah. So you you have a daughter. How old is she now? Um, she is six years now. So you you raised your daughter here in China. What has that been like? Oh wow. Yeah, she was born. She was conceived. She was born in China. Uh -huh. It's funny when she was in China. Her she was speaking Chinese all the time. She was eating Chinese food. There were moments like I go like, you have to eat something from Ghana. She said no. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were times like my wife would cook, uh -huh. hand over her, her Chinese uh, Ghanaian food, mm -hmm. and she would push the food away. The mm -hmm. nanny would give her Chinese food, and she would grab the two hands and just start eating. <laughs> yeah, so she was born in Yentai and it was different, you know, it was different because back home when you have a kid, you have your parents around you, you have your, you know, like we Africans, just like the Chinese people, yeah. we believe in family, right? So when you have a kid, you mm. have your aunties, your uncles, your grandparents all around you mm. support you to raise a kid. But it was different. Having a kid in China, being a foreigner was just different. But lucky for us, we had good neighbors. We had good friends with Chinese people. Mm. that were there for us. They really supported us raising their kid here. And she was different because when she goes out, being a black kid in China, a little kid with a lot of hair, <laughs> she was just like a local celebrity anytime we go out. Yeah. Because amazed about how a little girl growing up in China and speaking Chinese. There were times that we go to a shop and you should just start a conversation with a shopkeeper and they'll be like, huh? Take a you in. Does she translate for you? Yeah, yeah, she was my little translator. Yeah. She has to, right? But yeah, I've been seeing her for almost like three years now because they left when the COVID situation started in China. Oh, they, sorry to hear that. I couldn't get back in. Oh, wow. They tried the right times to get in because the flight from Ghana to China was also very difficult for them, you know? And the price were outrageous because at a point, mm. it was over $7,000 just to come into China. That's one way. Mm. Yeah. So we tried several times and they couldn't get in because of their policy. Because Ghana also closed the border because of the COVID. So there were no flights even to China. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully all that changes very soon. You can you, So you can have her back here. Mm. By next year, we're hoping that by next year, things will get better. And yeah, they can, they can come over because I miss them. I'm even planning going back home to see them. Mm. You know? well, have you been back in the, ten, in the nine years that you've been in China? Have you been back to Ghana? So it was a ritual for me to, you know, go home every year. 
So I was doing that. I wanted Chinese New Year. I'll just book flights and go see my family because I miss my mom. My mom is going. My dad is going. They're still alive. So it was the only mm-hmm. time for me to go home around the Chinese New Year. At least spend like two, three weeks with them. Family thing going on. But the last time I was home was almost like four years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've not been back home because of the COVID situation. You know, when it's easy to go out, but it's very difficult to come in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the longest you've been away from home, right? Yeah, the longest I've been away from home. Yeah. You call your wow. folks often? Yeah, we because of the social media, like you know, Facebook, WhatsApp. You know, uh, and yeah, my mom, yeah. and dad, they always call in, especially at dawn when you're sleeping. They'll just call you because they still can't mm. understand the time difference. I've said that to them. You know, it's eight hours. Of, <laughs> <laughs> it's still eight hours ahead of China. You understand? So when we are sleeping late night, it's evening in Ghana, and they'll just pick up phone and think, okay, let me call you because it's maybe five p.m. in Ghana. And that would be very late here, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. When I was in the in the US, um, my boyfriend at the time also struggled a little bit with that. I would be texting people or calling people at like you know midnight or one a.m. and he'd be like, "Who's calling you this late?" I'm like, "People in China, <laughs> people, people that are in my life before you." <laughs> oh, jealous type doesn't sound good. I know that's why it's an ex boyfriend. <laughs> exactly, the jealous type never it never works out. Yep. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. So could you tell us a story about your life here? Just, you know, one t- one event that you remember in your nine years in China that really sticks out in your mind. I'll actually say two events, you know. Sure. Uh, okay, the first one was my first time I arrived in China mm. at a Guangzhou Airport immigration. I still have that anytime I get to an immigration point, no matter where, where I am, whether in China, whether in Thailand or Philippines. So I was in this line, this queue, you know, waiting to get, go through the immigration process. And I was pulled over. I don't know whether I had bad lances or whatever. <laughs> he came back to my passport, left mm. for about 30 minutes. And later, just mm. let me go. And I'm like, why? Am I a criminal? Is this something going on? And they didn't say anything to me. <laughs> I was there with so many things going to my mind. You know, when you're traveling outside, you know, from Ghana, like your family, you all see you up at the airport. Everyone is happy for you. Mm. And I'm like, am I still back? Am I going back to Ghana? <laughs> what am my family going to say, you know? Yeah. So that moment is one. And the second moment was is, um, when my daughter was born. It was wow. very tricky because I had class in the morning and my wife was in labor. But she didn't tell me she was in labor. I left uh-huh. home for this one-hour job and I go back I was knocking on the door and she was not open. So I got angry. <laughs> no, no, she was in labor in the bedroom. So she was crawling on the floor all the way to come open the door mm-hmm. for me. So when she opened the door, I'm like, what is happening to you? And she's like, I'm in labor. I'm like, and you didn't even tell me. Mm. Luckily for us, there was a friend at home who was a Russian lady, mm. speak very perfect Chinese. So we call the, the cab and treat to the, the hospital. Mm. And you know, Jason, you know, when your wife is in labor and you're in the labor ward as a man, you don't know what to do. Wow. And funny enough, I went to this place with a Bible in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was going to be. Yeah. A preacher at the hospital or whatever. But I had a Bible in my hand and I was just walking back and forth. I don't know what, I didn't know what to do. Mm. So I was just back walking back and forth with my Bible in my hand. And you know, Chinese old, like IEs, right? Working in the hospital. Yeah, 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 yeah. After she went, my wife went through the process of, this doctor's check and all that. In about 30 minutes time, she came, and I came to me. I don't know where she was coming from. He said, ah, Tashi, Tashi, uh, and like she's a little girl, a girl. And I'm like, oh, okay, my goodness. Oh. Like, so that's the moment that really, really, you know, is very dear to my heart. The day my daughter was born in China. Yeah. And for me, I believe there was, there was a reason, and there's still a reason why she was born in China, not in Ghana, not in other, other place. You understand? Mm. That moment, that day, is an event in my life in China that, I mean, it will be with me forever till I die. Mm, wow. wow. Well, I like the second story a lot more than the first. 
<laughs> Under the first story is understandable though. It, you know, even if it's something that's just very regular and routine and but you were in a, a new place that you don't know. So could you tell us a little bit about things that might be different from like going when you go back home, for example, do you ever get reverse culture shock where you go back to Ghana and you're, you know, several times visiting and you're like, wow, this surprises me now that I haven't been to my own country and I've been living in China. Uh, okay, it's one. It's also the development that is ongoing in Ghana. You understand because mm-hmm. I left Ghana in 2013. Yeah, I go to Ghana and I see new things that is also happening every day. And people that you left them behind, you know, and their mm-hmm. lives also going up. You see new infrastructure all over the place, you know. So some of these things really amazes me. Like, okay, Ghana is also picking up. Yeah. You understand? But I, I still feel like there's a lot to do because, yeah. for example, when I go to Ghana. And I see that the railway system in Ghana and, you know, when I'm in China, it's the world-class, you know, train system here. Yeah. So some of these things really gives you this idea of, like, we have a long way to go as, as Ghanaians, as a country, you understand? If you compare the life here in China and that of Ghana, you understand? Well, you know, I want to say that mm. when I go back to the United States, I feel the same way. I get on, I use the trains. <laughs> it's called Amtrak. And I'm always like, wow, <laughs> this is not as good as China. Jason's, <laughs> Jason's never ending. Well, I'm just saying he, he complain about Amtrak. King Kwesi is saying that the trains back home are not as good as China. And I have the same experience of the trains be- back home not being as good as China. You just have to, you're forced to slow down. <laughs> it's, like, it's true. Yeah. I agree. I did a vlog. I did a vlog of my experience of the, the business class train service in Weihai mm, to yeah. Yenta. Mm. It was a short video. And even that video, I made a poster like, I feel like the government of Ghana should just collaborate with China yeah. and build a railway system. But yeah, maybe they should build a railway system and just, you know. Ghana does cooperate in the Belt and Road. They have at least one power plant that I've heard of, but I'm sure they have other projects as well. No? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ghana and yeah. China really have a good relationship, but I feel like we can still do more. Yeah. yeah. I see countries like Ethiopia, Kenya doing with the Chinese people, you know? Like <laughs> the, whole, the whole Kenya railway system is built by the Chinese and it's very functional. Mm. And so I feel like yeah. Ghana can also do that. They can tap into that negotiation and build something for, for our people. Little by just two options, whether to fly by uh. by air or just go by the road. And, you know, for example, a place like I can travel with China within like 20 minutes or 30 minutes will take me maybe two, three hours on the road. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like we should be in that position, mm. you know, just to negotiate with the Chinese people. Okay, China, we have this problem and we're going to pay you maybe 50 years. That's cool. Mm. <laughs> well, I was talking to Jeffrey Sachs recently, Dr. Jeffrey Sachs, and he, men- mm. he mentioned that what Africa really needs is to build rail lines across countries. Right. Because in China, if they want to build across several provinces, okay, it's all just China. But in Africa, you have like more than 50 countries. And so if you want to build a train network across Africa, you need the cooperation Mm. of many African nations. That's right. So that would, you know, that would be something that's really nice. Like Kenya may have a lot of good rail and Nigeria might have a lot of good rail. But what Africa needs is rail that, you know, crosses several countries. Yeah. Connects... Yeah. And and as a Chinese person, what I'm interested in um, knowing is, you know, we're talking about a relationship between China and Ghana and China, other African countries. I only know in my friend circle, I know one person who actually moved to Africa during the pandemic to because she is very much involved in a lot of, uh, um, you know, uh, Africa related business and, you know, startups and the tech world. And so she's over there. I think she's in Nigeria right now. What's the what's the Chinese presence in Ghana like? Are there Chinese people? Is there like a bigger uh, or smaller Chinese community? From what I've seen so far, because, you know, I've left Ghana for almost like 10 years. Mm. But through social media and my interaction with people back home and the videos I've seen, 
I feel like Ghana, some part of Ghana is actually turning into a Chinese community mm. because we have Chinatown. Yeah, we have China more. <laughs> we have China more <laughs> in awesome. Ghana. I think maybe two or three of them. All these places built by Chinese people, run by Chinese people. We have restaurants, a lot, wow. lot of them. Yeah, a whole lot of investment made by Chinese people. A lot of Chinese people. Actually, there are, some of them also do bad things called the <laughs> illegal mining called Galamse, you know? Mm. Because Ghana is also um, um, a country made of, full of gold. We have a lot of gold deposits. Mm. So a lot of Chinese people also go into that field. Mm. Yeah, so we have a lot of Chinese people back home, a lot of them. Well, it's good to hear that your daughter will be able to f- enjoy Chinese food back home. Find a food that she likes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, once in a while, you know, that's a favorite place to go, the China Mall. You know, when she goes to China Mall, she can have the little things that she was having in, in China, you know, like, have you read the surprise egg? You know that surprise egg? There's this yeah, yeah, yeah. shape of an egg. You open it, maybe you get a little stuff in there. That's it. Oh, yes. You know, so all the time she goes to the China Mall just to get that. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> listening to The Bridge. Well, I wanted to switch gears a bit. You are an influencer on YouTube, uh, Instagram, and other platforms. Uh, what got you into that? Okay, so um, there's a story behind my reason being on, especially on Facebook, uh, sorry, on YouTube. Mm. Because when my daughter was born, or when before my daughter was born, we were looking for information as to how we can go up her visa, how we can put her into school. So I go on YouTube and I'll search for maybe a family life in, in mm-hmm. China. And I'm not getting any information, useful information about family life there. I'm like, why is people not sharing? Because yeah. I knew like China is big. There are a lot of experts here. Why are people not sharing their family life mm. in China? Because I feel like people mm. should have access to this information. So one, the reason why I started YouTube was because there was not so much information about mm. family life in mm. China. So I decided to use my family and my daughter as an example to tell people that, okay, China as a country has its own problem. That's fine. But there can be family life here. People can also live here. There can be a black family. There can be a black kid going mm. to school. People eating Chinese food. Mm. You understand? So my, basically, my, mm. my whole beginning of YouTube career was to share the life of my family, my daughter being a little black kid in China. Aww. So before, my channel, my channel's name was called Bless His World. Bless is the name of my daughter, Aww. right? Wow. So Bless His World, the word of blessing in China, sharing her everyday experiences. That's how I started YouTube. Oh, that's adorable. Wow. That's, that's that, a great that, story. That's not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> that is beautiful, yeah. Yeah. So when we started, we started this little um, YouTube journey and the engagement became big. Like people were like, wow, why wow, black kid in China going to school? You know, it was very fascinating to especially those in America. Like, uh-huh, a black family in China, you know? <laughs> yeah, wow. A lot of followers. And there's this guy who was also a bit popular in China, that's Uncle Wadimaya. I don't know whether you know him or Demaya. He's very, very popular. He was very popular in China, but he left China like four years ago. Oh. Mm. So he came all over from the city. He was in Shenyang at that time. Mm. He came all the way to Yantai to just have a video mm. of my daughter being in the Chinese school. Mm. And that really, really, really helped my channel to just shoot from 500 subscribers to about 1,000 subscribers. And that's how mm. the whole thing started. For the people listening and they want to find your channel, what is your channel called now? Now my channel is called King Questy. I think that we come back to that. My channel is now called King Questy. <laughs> There's a reason why I changed from Blessings World to King Questy. So what is the reason? The reason why my daughter left China, right? <laughs> a period of time. Mm, and yeah. so I realized that she was out of the picture because I was yeah. doing vlogs of myself now in China. And people were referring to me as blessing in the comment session, right? Mm. I'm like, okay, my daughter is out of the picture now. Yeah. Mm. And I'm now the face of this channel. So why not change the name to King Quesi? You understand? So that's the reason why mm. I changed from so Bless this world. 
to King Quest because my daughter, who was the image of the channel, was no more part of the conversation. And I was the face now. I decided to rebrand it to King Quest. Mm. So a couple of questions here. So K-I-N-G-K-W-E-S-I, King Questy. What does Questy mean as part of your name? Okay. We have funny ways, you know, Ghana, we have funny ways of many people, you know, especially where you are born or the tribe you come from mm. also becomes part of your name. So, you know, mm. we have seven days in a week. Every day oh. is called different in Ghana. My tribe, Sunday is Kwesiada. Monday is Ejuada. Yeah, Tuesday yeah. is Ejuada. Wednesday is Ukuada. It goes on and on. Oh. Okay. I was born on the 25th of October and it was Sunday. Yeah. So Sunday means a boy or a guy yeah. born on Sunday. Wow. For my tribe, it's called Kwesi. So you're king of Sunday. <laughs> I chose king because I believe that men are kings and women are cool. You understand? So yeah. a king born on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. So wait, mm. if we want to find you on Instagram, what are you called? Uh, Instagram is King Kwesi. Get at 19. 19. On YouTube, it's King Kwesi. On Twitter, it's King Kwesi. Right. Same. What, what do you think about when you're going to make a new mm. video? What Do you have a plan ahead of time? Or are you just like, all right, this is it. Let's go. <laughs> I, I do two videos. I do vlogs. <laughs> vlogs that maybe just um, sharing my experience, maybe going to a Chinese place to try some Chinese food. I just pick up my gadgets, mm -hmm. go order the food, maybe tell a friend to help me to record. Mm. I do that. But now I've moved on from the normal vlogs to the Living in China series, mm -hmm. whereby I bring people on board my channel to share their experiences. So what I do, mostly I use social media platform, maybe Instagram. For example, I put maybe Yentai, hashtag Yentai. Mm. And I'll go through the picture. When I see a foreigner, I will send you a DM and send you a, a list of what I do and the reason why I'm doing this kind of videos. Mm. And if you find it very good and you want to be part of it, we get it from there. We start talking and I'll tell you, we book an appointment. I'll come to your home with my gadgets mm. and we do the recording. That's what I've done so far with about 20 families or so in China. But now, because of the COVID situation and traveling became so very difficult to move, mm. wow. I devised a plan of doing more of online interview. That's what I do with Jason. Nice. So I had an appointment with Jason. And sometimes I don't even mm. prepare questions for the audience or sorry, for the guests mm. because I want us to just feel, just be natural. So what I do, we invite you online and we start talking the conversation. Your first answer to my question, like, where are you from? How long have you been in China? Nice. Would just give me an nice. idea of the next questions. And that's what I do. I noticed that you also interview a lot of Chinese folks on your channel. So you you do have foreigners that you're interviewing, but you're also talking to, like, you're out on the street talking to Chinese folks, too. Yes, I do that sometimes because I also want people, my audience outside China, to have a feel mm. of the aspect of Chinese people about, you know, life. You understand? For example, I did what Chinese people think about black people because I feel like mm. it's, it's a platform for people to share their views on life on people. And China, I think China is a whole country that is mm. totally misunderstood by people mm -hmm. outside China. Yeah. And for us that have the opportunity to live in China, we must be able to bring out the true life about China. So, I mean, that's what I do. Just randomly interview Chinese people on the streets just to share their your life here and the, what do you think about foreigners in China? Mm. I'd have to say you're really good at what you do because sometimes I want to do those style of videos and it's like, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Like my wife wants me to do it all the time and I'm like, no, 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 I can't just walk up to that guy. What are you talking about? But I see you do it all the time. You have, you know, you're very brave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a drive. It's a drive to put information out. That's what keeps me going. You understand? Like last week, weekend, I was out there <laughs> yeah. and it was freaking cold. You understand? It was My nose was dripping. My nose mask was just wet with me. <laughs> but, I mean, you walk up to people, you tell them what they do. You know, Chinese people naturally, I think they are resent <laughs> people and they'll be like, no, no, push it. no, no, I don't want to be part of this. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's normal. It's normal for people to reject you, but you still have to push. I mean, Last week, I think about 10 people rejected my, my offer. They didn't want to be part uh -huh. of it. But I got like five mm -hmm. people who were cool with that. And for me, I feel like 
my I owe my audience that that platform to, for people to speak mm-hmm. up. So I look at okay. I have about 15,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. If I put a video there and I get 10,000 people to watch the video, it means I'm sending a message to 1,000 people. Mm. Yeah. And the 1,000 people can also send a message to 1,000 people, which will change the the perspective of the, the life about China. Wow. So for me, that's a drive that keeps me going. That's that's a beautiful way of looking at it. Alex, if someone mm. randomly approached you in the street and started <laughs> asking you about your opinions, would you be like, oh yeah, here we go? I mean, it really depends on the question. If I could understand the person <laughs> um, and it's something that I just want to share my opinions on, I would totally talk to them. But I, that's an interesting question because... I guess um, if my friends working for foreign media outlets or just, you know, uh, people who like to strike up a conversation with passersby on the street, they've all kind of mentioned that, you know, it's a little harder to I just find someone that's walking by on the street to talk to or even if you're trying to have a really quick casual conversation. And I said, it, you know, it, it's part of the cultural difference where Chinese people are not very used to having small talks between people that don't know each other, you know. So if you really want to, like, even if you just want to compliment someone on their t-shirt or their their sneakers um you don't want to compliment compliment them on anything you just have to just give them a thumbs up so that they know that hey (laughs) the intention is good and then once they're on the same page about the intention of why you're doing anything at all then you know if they speak good enough english they'll probably talk to you. And I've, I've usually found young people, younger people to be a lot more open to interview requests or just having a quick conversation about really nothing. But again, maybe sometimes it's just a language barrier. They're like, why is this foreigner talking to me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for me, I have a smart way of dealing with this situation. Sometimes when I feel like I can be able to express myself well, what I do, I'll let a Chinese person write the, the Chinese characters for what the topic of what I'm doing. And I have it on paper on my phone. I'll show to you mm. that this is the reason why I'm doing this video. And yeah, it has really worked for me. Wow. So you kind of prepare mm. the question mm. ahead of time in Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. I do that. That's really, really clever and actually kind of cool. Do you do you work with a Chinese Chinese speaking colleague sometimes? So who holds the cameras? <laughs> um, mostly I do it myself. Wow, yeah. I'll be the one behind the camera and the one asking the questions. I do it myself. Yeah, that's great. I've also seen you do do full interviews outside. I, I remember a gentleman mm. you were sitting down by the coast with in one of your videos. John, yeah. And you did an entire interview outside. Yeah. Uh, that's what seems I mean, like very brave. Do people stop and stare at you guys while you were talking? Yeah, sometimes they just they just stop and just take videos of us doing that. Because um, for me, I give the guests the opportunity to decide where they want the, the interview to be uh, done. You understand? Yeah. Uh, well, some people are comfortable of you coming to their home just to do it, but others are not. So, mm. like John, John chose John chose that particular spot because he said that's one of his favorite places in Wuhan. Mm. Yeah. So I just meet him up on the on the coastline and we just shot that video. Well, I have a quick question. I, I know this is off topic, but and going backwards. But, you know, you mentioned the beaches in Weihai. I've, I've not seen them. I've seen the beaches in Yantai. Mm. Which city has better beaches? Um, <laughs> I'll choose Weihai. Yeah, all right. Guess I'm going to have to go there. I need, I want to go there as well. Weihai actually is one of the cleanest cities in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep hearing that. I hear the water quality is really good, too. The water quality, the air, everything about Weihai is, is just... Weihai is just a chill place. A place that, I mean, when you're stressed about life, just come here. Get in tune with nature. Just relax yourself. That's the place to be. I've heard about the seafood. My mom raves about the seafood quality from Weihai because of the, the industry. I, I'm not sure, but she's always talking about, let's go there and just, like, you know, spend three days by the beach and we can just eat really fresh seafood. I mean, Weihai is one of the top 
um, summer vacation spot for people in, in China. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it's also like on the tip yeah. of the peninsula, like the largest peninsula that sticks out from China. Mm. So it's as like far out in the ocean as you can get, basically. Yeah, uh, that is true. Yeah, that's true. Port in Weihai, that on a bright sunny day, mm. you can even see South Korea mm. from a distance. <laughs> really? Oh, that's crazy. Can you actually see the buildings or can you like, what can you see? No. What can you actually see? Yeah, you can see them. <laughs> The buildings, a bit of the buildings, like South what? Korea, we have the closest city in China to South Korea. So like Jeju Island or something? Seems like pretty far. People can, I think you can even take a boat, you can take a boat from Weihai to South Korea or something. Yeah. Wow, wow. Oh, wow. That must yeah. feel, uh, that must feel amazing. I've, I've had two similar experiences, but if you say you can see the buildings, then there's nowhere close to that. I don't know, Jason, if you've been to the Changbai Mountain in Jilin Province in my hometown. No, I'm You sorry. can stand, <laughs> once you climb up the mountain, you get to stand like one foot in China, one foot in North Korea. You know, there's a, the border is there. You could you could do that. And when we went to um, Beihai City in Guangxi Province, we went to this smaller city that's attached to it, and we were able to look at uh, like this island. And then the person that was was our tour guide, they, he said that you know if you draw a line in the middle of that island, separating it half and half, this half is China, is China, the other half is Vietnam. I was like, that is crazy. But we couldn't see we couldn't see any buildings or anything. But still, just being so close to the border of two countries. It's a it's an amazing experience. And the Korean presence in Weha is big because there are places that you go, the writings are in Korean, wow. Chinese, and English. There's actually a whole Korean town in Weha. Wow. Yeah. A lot of Korean I need shops. to go. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Korean shops, Korean food, Korean people. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Well, I guess they yeah, who doesn't like Korean food? Korean yeah, I love great. Korean food. <laughs> what do you mean? King Kwesi, do you like Korean food? <laughs> I think I'm good at Chinese one. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things that you are very proactive about is fitness. Could you tell us a little bit about how you involve fitness in your life? Um, my fitness journey also started from mm. my depression, my depression life. Because, <laughs> because when I was depressed and I moved to Weihai, I sold my car and I moved to Weihai and I didn't mm. want to drive anymore. I wanted to have a life that is different from what I was used to in Yantai. Yeah. So yeah. when I moved here, what I did is like a whole month, I started running five kilometers every morning. I woke up 5 a.m. Wow. Run five kilometers before I go. Alex, Alex get started. <laughs> I did that. That's crazy. <laughs> I did that for a whole month. I can't. And I was not posting on Instagram. I was not, I just wake up. I was just running. Shared my pictures after that. People were like. Every day. Is Chrissy okay? Is he sick? People were like. What happened to him? He looks so thin, right? <laughs> so I moved from that depression mode into someone who is more fit and healthy. Right after that, I registered at a gym. Yeah. And have a routine because I live alone. Uh -huh. So one of the things that I do just to keep me sane and to take care of my mental health is after work, I, I sign up for a gym that is eight minutes work from my workplace, mm. 10 minutes work from my home my home so right after work i don't come home i go straight to the gym wow i after right after work after work uh, I, go, yeah. I go i go i go right straight i go straight to my couch <laughs> i was going right after work i'll come home mm. eat something and go later and i realized like i was getting lazy with time i'm like no let me just go right after work to the gym so when i'm going to work in the morning i pack my mm. stuff my gym stuff Everything. Yeah. Right after 5 p.m., I knock off, walk as fast as I can to the gym, work out for an hour or half, uh -huh. and just come home. So I do that from Mondays to Fridays. Yeah. That's, so that's been my wow. goal. It's not like I'm training, I'm training to be 
a bodybuilder or just I just want to be a better version of wow. myself. That's all. That's that's great that you figured out a good routine to make that happen. You know, I don't I don't know if you've been on his IG. I have. Yeah. He wears these really nice, very colorful suits and shirts and like really super super fashion. <laughs> like one of you know top two or three pe- people on IG I've ever seen males anyway who are really into fashion and I think that the fitness aspect really helps. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, looking good for me, I feel like, especially when you are in a place mm-hmm. like China, where fashion is also a thing here, people also want to look mm-hmm. good. You understand? Mm-hmm. And most Chinese, from my little observation, I might be wrong. Most Chinese folks will address you based on how you look. Mm-hmm. That's my little observation. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, okay, when I'm stepping out of my home and I'm going out, I should, I mean, carry a message. Okay, this boy smells good. One, this guy dresses well. Mm-hmm. So that has been my style. Yeah, wow. not anything expensive. Uh, the things I buy, I wear just from H and M and Zara, yeah. which is yeah. few hundred, few hundred quads. You know, just put them it's together. Pretty good. Their their stuff is pretty good. You know, yeah, yeah Zara is pretty high quality. Yeah, high quality. Yeah. So just put them together, and that's it. Sometimes I also have, I mean, how do you call it? I want to choose the right word. An inspiration from other other Instagram pages that I follow, male Instagram pages that I follow. Yeah, and, mm, yeah. Mm. I mean, fashion is. It's, it's evolving it's, it's moving every time it's new there's something new coming up mm. so I look up to some people on Instagram and yeah I learn a bit or two from them and that's it mm. well I mean I think it really works with you because you have a vlogger <laughs> personality you're really fit and you're into fashion so like when you're on doing all of these vlogs you look like the coolest person around <laughs> <laughs> thank you I mean this is coming from you it means so much to me thank you sir oh I just wear boring old old guy suits <laughs> <laughs> Jason let's do let's do an episode so for your vlog about fashion, we'll just pick out outfits for Jason to have, to give off different vibes. Let's do oh, that. Gosh. Let's do that, and we'll get we'll we'll have a uh, King Quesi as our fashion consultant for Jason. <laughs> well, you know what I was thinking is you know you keep mentioning Alex that you want to go out to Weihai. <laughs> During Chinese New Year, I, I need to go out there because we haven't been to my wife's parents in three oh years. God. So I'm going to actually be in the vicinity of King Kwesi. Maybe he and I will end up making a video together while we're sure, there. Sure, sure. Oh, you, you guys should totally do a video. And then once you're done with the video, mm. send it to me. I will do a reaction video. <laughs> we have two episodes. We have two videos. <laughs> I would love for that to happen. Yeah, I'll be looking for it. I mean, if you come to Weihao Yenta, just let me know. And yeah, I'll be around for you guys. You know, what's really interesting? interesting is my father-in-law he's never done this before this year he's he's like oh i want to bring you to all these places and he wants to show us all these historical places in yantai but for the last 10 years we've been there every year <laughs> like he's never left the house basically other than to go get like vegetables so like i'm like what's happening he's like i like you now jason i want to show you places things things are evolved <laughs> oh yeah listening to the bridge so you're hoping next year 2023 that your family your wife and daughter will return you think that's a high probability um not sure because my daughter is already in school and she's already six years uh, so i feel like when she comes back to china it's going to be very difficult for her to settle mm, in yeah. you understand especially with the education system here i mean maybe yeah i'll go back home now and then and they can also come for vacation and all that yeah if i'm still in china i mean till next year if i'm still here true so that sounds challenging do you plan on staying in china long 
long term or are you going to eventually be moving back home? Um, I'm planning to move back home maybe somewhere next year because for some reason when I was coming to China, in Ghana, I told myself I'm going to be in China for 10 years. Mm. I said that. I don't know why I said that. Oh. And next, year, next year, I'm going to be here for 10 years and I feel like I've reached the, reached the ceiling, you know? <laughs> so maybe after 10 years... I wouldn't want to see myself still living yeah. in China, especially being a family man. I want to be wow. with my family. Mm. What about for us? If we ever wanted to visit Ghana, where would you recommend we go? When do you recommend us to go? What's the best season? The best season in Ghana, like I said, is is sunny or it's summer or time. There's no season. We have just two seasons in Ghana. The rainy season. <laughs> the rainy season and the sunny. Like you can go to Ghana at different times, mm. but don't go to Ghana in December because December is a busy period in Ghana because of the Christmas. Mm. A lot of people from the diaspora come to Ghana just to have parties and all that. So there's a lot of traffic in Ghana at, in December from December to January. Uh-huh. Different place in Ghana, different vibe. So if you want to see yeah. the crocodile, if you want to see the lakes, there are places that you have to go. If you want to see the castles, the slip castles, you have to go to the coastal cities in Ghana. Mm. Wow. If you want to do business, maybe you have to stay in Tema. Tema is also a metropolis in, in Accra. You stay in Tema or you stay in Kumasi. A lot of Chinese people are in Kumasi and Tema. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. So we can find, uh, we have an easier access to, to Chinese food just in case we miss it. Yeah. <laughs> Kumasi and, and Tema, you can have like, easy access to Chinese stuff. Mm. Yeah. Are you going to be continuing to make vlogs back home if you do return? How, how will that change? I have this plan. Like, now I'm doing the Living in China series, but recently I did one with the, mm. the Abroad Experience, which is also a same kind of, yeah. you know, style with the Living in China series. The Abroad Experience is what I call people in different countries. For example, before I leave China, I want to do kind of Asian talk, oh, go yeah. to Thailand, go to Philippines, mm. and also interview foreigners that live in this country, that run businesses, that have families there, just to share their abroad experience. So even when I leave China and I go to Ghana, I can still do the abroad experience, interview Chinese people that have business in Ghana, people from India that have business in Ghana, you know, the same kind of thing that I do now, but I call it abroad experience. That's what oh, I launched like two yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really interesting. So then you would, you're basically doing kind of what our show does, the bridge, and that you're helping different cultures communicate and share ideas. Exactly, because I believe like there's so much misinformation around around the world. You understand? Mm, yeah. People are not having the opportunity. Definitely. Yeah, so giving people the platform to share their experiences would help change some of the narratives that we know about certain countries. For example. When I did videos about living in China series and foreigners were talking about how safe it is to live in China, mm. I have people saying that I've been, I've been told by the Chinese government to make these videos <laughs> wow. because people don't believe that. <laughs> I've heard that kind of accusation before. All the time, you know, because people don't believe mm. that China is a safe country that you can walk out in the night around 12 a.m. Wow. I go out, <laughs> I go to the bar and still walk on the street like two yeah. in high. Nobody will just walk up to you and just hurt you or take your phone. Yeah. Let me tell you a story. Um, last, last, Thursday, uh-huh. I went out to, to buy something and I forgot my phone in the DD. Mm. And I called a, with the help of a Chinese friend, we called a driver and he said like, oh, I don't have the phone in the car. But by, the, by my Apple Watch, it gives me the location of where my phone has been in the last like 30 minutes. Uh-huh. Like it has moved from place to places. Yeah. So the, apparently a passenger who sat in the car uh-huh. took my phone. Mm. So mm. We, called a, we called a DD service. Mm. We called a DD service and the DD service called a woman. Like, okay, mm. you have this person's phone, get the phone. The woman yeah. denied, like, having the phone. I made a Chinese person write the location oh. where my phone has traveled within the last two hours. And I went to the police station. And the police were like, okay, we also called a woman and a driver. They said they have no phone. And I told the police, you are the police. Uh-huh. You have every information in China, and you can help me retrieve my phone. Mm. So I told the police, if these two people are denying having my phone, what do you have to do 
is to check on your computer system, put in their number, and see whether these numbers have traveled to these four or five locations. When I said that the police person just nod ahead, he went over the computer, tapped the number of the woman, and realized that the woman has been to these five places. <laughs> they called the woman, the woman denied. And they called her again, the next minute my phone, I had my phone from this woman. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because in the car, and be 99% sure you get your phone back. This will never happen in my home country, Ghana. <laughs> frank here, my bro, I'm just being frank. This will never happen. Maybe I've never been to the US, I've never been to the UK, but I'm 100 or 90% sure that in places around the world, mm. it's very difficult for you to come back. But when I share this story on Instagram or on, on YouTube right now, I hope someone who has never been to China, know nothing about China, the only information he or she knows about China is what he sees on the Western media. Yeah. And we feel like this black guy has been paid by the Chinese government to make this video. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, man. I did a video with some family from the Canada and they said, oh, like, oh, our family is safe in China. We are okay in the anti. They, they reply the comments like, oh, these are guys sponsored by the Chinese government to make this video. These things don't exist. Oh, man. <laughs> because people don't have access to information. They feel like China is not a country for foreigners to live mm. because that's what they see on the Western media. Yeah. You understand? So for me, letting people tell their story, their real life stories, is a way that we can change some of this narrative. I mean, when I leave China and I go, I know that the day will come somebody watch my video and make a decision mm. and move to China. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a drive. I, I, I have a very similar goal of helping people understand China. And I think that's really admirable. Thank you so much for joining our program, King Kwesi. I'd love to hear your stories. It was great knowing you on the show. It's good. It's good to do this. I mean, it's good to do this. And thank you for the platform to also share my journey here. We here at The Bridge love to hear from our fans. If you record a message for us or type it up, we will read it out on the air. Please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love The Bridge. Comments? Questions? We're looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us on The Bridge, a show that connects East and West. Join us next time. 